0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Carm Capriato, Town Hall Academy, episode 313, 313 weeks and counting. You saw that incredible picture of this great group from the Aftermarket Radio Network. Couldn't be so proud of this group. I can't wait to have them on. We have a very interesting topic today. Something that they've already done, you may have listened to individually with all of their different podcasts, but we wanted to bring them together and have this really cool industry-wide important panel discussion on uh, maybe uh, what's going on in the future here for 2023. I've never been so involved in the buzz of all what's going on in the news, so I think we all may have something important to say. And We got great partners that bring this show possible to you. Priorities change, you know, in a heartbeat. So shouldn't your shop management system reflect that? Now, if you use shopware, it does. The built-in expediter lets you shuffle jobs around based in real time for maximum efficiency. Talk to my friends at GetShopware.com. And trust in the aftermarket supplier that makes the parts cars are born with. With over 100 years of OE heritage, Delphi Technologies' quality parts gives you peace of mind. Learn more at DelphiAftermarket.com hey look at there's the team the Aftermarket Radio Network Uh, so proud of this group they have done such an exceptional job Hunt Demers is with us Parmellis and Associates Business by the Numbers podcast Hunt
1: hey Carm hey everyone else
0: Chris Cotton Auto Fix Auto Shop Coaching Chris the Chris Cotton Weekly Blitz
2: hey everybody and I'll tell you this is a huge panel it feels great but I feel awfully silly today so I don't know how this is going to go we'll see (laughs) And
0: I've seen you silly before. Hmm.
2: Like every day. Like maybe it's nothing new. I don't know.
0: Matt Fonslow is with us, lead diagnostician, Red Wing Automotive, and diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z. Hello, Matt. How's it going, eh? Good, man. <laughs> hey, the Canadian thing.
1: Matt's not feeling silly today. No. <laughs> no.
0: Kim and Brian Walker from Shop Marketing Pros, the auto repair marketing podcast. Hello. Hey, Each of them did their own podcast. Hunt did his episode 47, 2023 forecast and business outlook. Guess what? In that episode, Hunt mentioned recession 11 times, inflation 33 times. Matt Fonslow, episode 64, it was called the 2023 outlook. Matt mentioned recession 12 times, payment 11 and time 15. Those are the biggest words I could pull out, Matt.
3: I'm sure I said the way more about it.
0: <laughs> Interesting from a technician's perspective, recession payment time.
3: I Googled it. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> when one of you do actually an entire episode that uh, ChatGPT GPT did for you and you read it, please let me know. Please let me know.
3: I did part of one. Yeah,
0: I know you did. Yeah, it was really cool. You made it sound like you and uh, Sean were reading it back and forth. I could tell something was up. Yeah. Chris Cotton, uh, episode 93 for Chris, Surviving 2023 and Beyond. That was the title of his episode. In that episode, he mentioned inflation zero times. He mentioned recession zero times. He mentioned growth three times, people 24 times, and crisis five times.
2: Interesting. How many ums did you have to wipe out of that episode before it aired, though? That's what I want to know. 80. Probably. you
3: <laughs> <laughs> like taking the F word out of casino.
0: <laughs> Some of the key words in Chris's thing were margins, process, procedures, cash flow, don't buy into the BS. Transparency with employees. It was a great episode. Thank you. And Brian and Kim Walker, episode 29, Creating Your Own Economy, and I, and I loved you know the whole switch of the title and their perspective. They said, economy or economic, six times, values, 12 times, customer, eight times, as you would expect from a marketing podcast. They said, marketing, 22 times. And think about this. We all in this world, including what I do in the network, we all are there to advance the aftermarket, to teach and talk what our expertise is. I thought it would be great to bring the team on. I'm going to shut up here in a minute, but I just want to kind of set up what our expectations are. Here's my perspective. Pay attention. I learned a long time ago from a really super successful person. He always put his arm around me and he says, Carm, pay attention to everything around you. Pay attention. It's the best thing I can tell you. So pay attention to sales, cost of goods, margins, costs, productivity, cash management, keeping a level ahead, networking, hiring a coach, and being optimistic. To me, those would be some of the great things to align with for 2023. And the thing that I'm bothered about that I constantly keep getting smattered, you know, I live in Niagara Falls, you know, that water flow that constantly happens, recession, inflation, interest rates, new car sales, used car sales, miles driven, and all the layoffs that we continue to hear about, that's going to affect miles driven. Yeah, we're on this incredible upswing. Just hear Hunt's podcast talks about all the great success that's going on. But let's not get too comfortable in the barca lounger and not pay attention to things. With that said, Hunt, I want to start with you. We've got to pay attention. I want you to, you know, what would you tell your clients the number one priority would be just one to pay attention to in this first quarter?
1: Surviving, I guess, to a certain degree, right? I I think that the first quarter, we have kind of a quarter that's going to dictate the rest of the year. There are so many chips that are kind of falling here. There's so many different uncertainties on it. And it's really going to probably set the stage for the rest of the year. You know, I'm not going to use some of the words that you already said I've said 40 times on it, but so much of this is driven on interest rates, right? Chris and I were actually talking about this before for an issue that the interest rates are bringing up, but it's really far reaching just beyond the interest rates. More or less, most of the world, most of the U.S. market is broke right now. One of the statistics is like I think the you know over half of the people that make 150 to 200 thousand dollars a year are living paycheck to paycheck, and that statistic was from July of last year. And so to look at some of these numbers. Most people out there just don't have enough money to withstand losing a job, right? You just mentioned layoff there, but you know, these could be business owners that don't have money, but a lot of times these are also customers as well, too. And I've started to see that, especially for like kind of my exotic and Euro and high end shops, these customers that they've never ever said no to something are starting to say, hmm, you know what? Let's hang off on that. Some of that is they're already feeling it. Some people are just a little bit nervous. And this first quarter is really going to see, hey, are things looking better or is this the beginning of kind of a downfall?
0: Let me just jump in. I can't remember which podcast it was. I listened to them all, but you had brought up the stats about how many people are living paycheck to paycheck and how many have incredible credit card debt. And so as much as there's been that spend, spend, spend moment, it's showing up in either having not being able to have any cash or credit card debt. And I think you bring up a great point. Thank you for that. If that's anything to pay attention to and you start seeing the fact that there could be a slide, I just move right over into Kim and Brian's thinking all the time as you never stop marketing, no matter where the economy is or goes. Right, guys?
4: Yeah. I mean, I always feel like I'm sounding self-serving when I say that. Because, of course, the marketers are going to tell you that you should not cut back on your marketing when things get slow. But if you think about it, it, it makes sense. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's no different than you as the auto repair shop. You know, when things tighten up, as somebody says, well, I'm not going to do the maintenance on my car. Well, now they're going to have a car that's broken down. They can't get to work and it makes things even worse. It, it's kind of the same, but it's a more direct relation when we talk about marketing. If business is slow, you don't cut back on marketing. The other thing that is always one of the first to go is to cut back on coaching. But you need your coach. You need your marketing. You don't want to do something that's going to make things even worse.
5: We are big about eating our own dog food. Brian did a podcast about that and just practicing what we preach. We fell into that several years ago. And what got us out of the whole stop-start thing, right, is... Brian was at a coaching event several years ago out in California. I didn't talk to him for, I think, like a whole week. He came back and I'm like, so what did you take from that? And he said to stop stopping. And I'm like, what? <laughs> that you, like we paid all this money and you went to this, this thing. He like jumped into the freezing cold Pacific Ocean and did all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, you came back with stop stopping? What are you talking about? And he started explaining. He was like, we get into this, pattern of let's get the engine going. Let's, you know, press forward and rock and roll and get things going. And we get all these new clients in and then we pause everything. We're like, oh, let's catch up. Let's get that, you know, let's, let's get it together. And then we're like, oh crap, we need some more customers. Okay, let's get that engine going again. So it became this pattern and it was kind of mind blowing when he came back and after he explained it, I'm like, yeah, that's very smart. Like we are, mar- we're the marketing people. Why are we slowing down on our own marketing? So that's really something that just like all of y'all, we're hearing it all the time too. And, you know, people start pinching the pennies and really looking at what can I cut? And we often hear well we're going to cut our ad budget or we're going to you know we need to back up we need to do some of this and so like brian said it's it feels weird to push the marketing but you can't slow down on that stuff and so the other thing about it is mindset is brian i'm pointing to him he's a pretty smart guy but he also really talks a lot about refusing to participate i don't know where he got that from but refusing to participate in a recession so mindset is a big deal, which I'm sure Chris will probably get all into that. So I don't want to steal his thunder, but just staying positive, I think, is a is a really super important thing. Why don't you tag along on that, Chris?
2: If you listen to the podcast and everything, I think I I might've been the first one to record mine. So mine was like mid-December, 1st of December when I recorded it. I hate to be the Chicken Little, but I also want to be... I do all that to make sure that shop owners are aware. And because of COVID, because everything else, again, like i it's not the first time I've said it, we've gotten fat, we've gotten lazy, we've gotten happy. We've let our policies and procedures go by the wayside. But I did all that. I did that podcast in mind being like, Hey, I want people to be aware. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. It's happening people like right now, like the last two weeks, I've heard more people say, Chris, the phone stopped ringing. Chris, we don't have as many cars. And then my answer to them, um, Brian did a pretty cool thing yesterday. If you didn't see it, it's called Porch Ponderings. And I piggybacked on the end of it. And I don't, I don't forgot. I did something goofy, something that started with a C with Chris. And I went back to, like last week, I had a shop owner call me. He's like, Chris, the phone stopped ringing. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, hey, you have this thing in your, you know, you pay every month for this CRM. Uh, send out a slow day text. He sent out the slow day text. And he's, or first of all, he's like, oh, I forgot about that. And he forgot about it because we're fat and happy and things are going great and we've gotten away from basics. And so he's like, I should have thought of that. And I'm like, you should have, but that's why I'm here. So he sent out the slow day text and got 13 appointments off of it.
0: By the way, it's a typical January I'm hearing. But yet, let's not accept the fact that, okay, January, February are a little slow. And then all of a sudden, March slows down. Down and then it gets worse. To everyone's point, let's not participate in the recession, right, Brian? It's just we're not going to play games. We're just gonna we're gonna put the pedal, you know, our foot on the pedal and, and keep the pressure on in everything we would normally do in great times. Let's just do that now. I love the the rainy day uh, text. Matt, in the real world, you're in the bays, you're in the shop, you're seeing this. What's going on inside the shop? Everybody quit and went home. Okay. So you got some ads running.
3: We ran some uh yellow page ads and <laughs> <laughs> took I a heard that's been working little. super
1: well. Yeah. That's the new frontier. Yeah. Well Google's I mean, dying, yellow it dras- pages. Dras- is the future. It
3: drastically increased the uh you know the age group of 79 <laughs> to 90. So,
5: and this yeah. is why I usually have myself muted.
0: <laughs> Thank you for bringing the levity to the show, Matthew.
2: Hey, Matt, I'll tell you that doesn't work cuz my dad, he actually Your uh, dad works uh, for Matt, Matt now. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> you think he found him? <laughs> yeah. My dad has a phone book, but it's the 1986 phone book local and that was the year that he put all of his <laughs> names in there. And so he keeps his 1986 version of the phone book and everything else goes in the trash when he gets it. So you're still missing out on some people there.
1: The best part is we have people that are going to watch this that are like, what is a phone book?
2: (laughs) Oh yeah. True.
3: (laughs) For us specifically, so far, nothing's really changed. Uh, It hasn't really slowed down. But we might be a really bad example because of how much work we do for other repair shops. So that probably skews our results uh, versus maybe a more conventional uh, repair shop that's almost all customer-owned vehicles yeah. specifically.
0: That's interesting. But if you had to pick, uh, how about the consumer? Is that consumer business still as strong?
3: Uh, so far, so far. So, you know, one twelfth into 2023, so far, so good. No changes uh, from last year. But like I said, in my weak attempt at this, it's... No way it's going to, it's sustainable. There's no way it's sustainable. It's going to, uh, trail off. And then we just, you know, do what we always do, roll with the punches and come up with, uh, new plans, whether, th- you know, that is marketing, whether it's just not even marketing to new clients, but 20% that provide us most of our incomes, you know, as a rough estimate. And, uh, when we have the time, spending more time with each vehicle to find. Uh, as many legitimate issues as we can, and then providing plans to our clients that can't afford all of it right away like they may have in the past, uh, or at least more willing to part with the money to do it. A plan to address that stuff throughout the year or the rest of this year into next year. It's just stuff we've done in the past. I, I guess it's a lot of what Chris was saying. We've been here before. I don't know that we should be overly concerned. It's just not going to be as easy. I think we got spoiled.
0: Yeah, but there's a lot of people in the industry that are working in the industry that have not been here before. We The world has been here before, but there's a lot that don't have that callous, if you will. And I think that's part of what we're trying to do here. We've done in the network and all the shows, and we're trying to collect it all here together. And I got to tell you, I've been through a few of these. Guys, I'm just slightly older than, than all of you, slightly, about uh, three or four
4: years. It's difficult to look at one shop, too, and kind of determine what's going on. Because, you know, I think about our clients, for example, we we have the majority of our clients are still doing very well. And then we have a handful of them that are not. But one of the things that I think is true across the board is that the best shops, the ones who tend to do everything right? They provide a great customer experience. They do their DVIs on every car and quote everything every time. The customer or the shops that they just run a top-notch operation, it's going to take a lot longer before they start feeling anything. And if you think about it, in any situation, there are always people who thrive because like Kim started to talk about mindset. So you have the people in this world that they see things as an opportunity or they see things sometimes as, as bad luck. And depending on who that person is, the people who see, who you know, who feel like, oh, well, I have bad luck. They are the the ones who their shop is going to suffer the quickest, you know, first. And then the ones who see everything as an opportunity, well, it's going to be an opportunity for them because the shops that end up shutting down. You know, all of a sudden they're going to be able to pick up their clients they are going to be able to pick up their technicians in some cases. That is always true. When times get tough, there are some people that just always seem to thrive. And you want to put yourself into that position where you're the one that thrives when times get tough. You should get excited by it and say, you know what, my competition is about to have a hard time and I'm going to capitalize on that.
5: You know, Matt said something a second ago, he compared it to last year. And I see so many people going along with the whole mindset thing. So many people, they're listening to all of the noise that's out there and they get wrapped up in, oh my God, look what's happening and they don't look at their own numbers, right? They're basing it off of a perception of what everybody out there is saying and if they sit down and look at their numbers, as I'm sure that Hunt and Chris can attest to, is you realize, wait a minute, actually, look at what I did last January. Look at what I did this January. It's not matching up to all the noise that's out there. So, staying focused and really just paying attention, I always talk about this as an example sometimes when um I think it was The swimmers, Michael Phelps, and I can never
2: think of his name because it's only Michael Phelps. Nobody else. Well,
5: no, it's not Michael Phelps. It's who he was um, swimming against, like the second biggest, Ryan Ryan Lochte. Thank you. They're both swimming. One was beating the other one until he did just like this and took his eyes off of where he was going, and he looked at his competitor and lost. He lost the race. So people need to really pay attention to their own numbers and stay focused on where they're going.
1: Yeah. And Matt, you hit the nail on the head because a lot of people are like, well, what's going to happen? No one knows, but everyone knows it's not sustainable. For the last three years, we're at compound 30% inflation, right? And if you look at truly like, look at your own budget, look at what you're spending at the grocery store and tell me if you think 30% is too high or too low. Across the board, things are skyrocketing. And so a lot of people are looking at this as like, hey, we have a recession. A recession is coming up. In the long run, it needs to happen, right? It's unsustainable the way it's going. Prices are out of control, but wages at the same time are not going up or earnings. And so we know it's going to come crashing down at some point. But the thing about this is people have had a little bit of precursor to this. I mean, if I was just starting, you know, when the recession hit back in 2007, 2008, And I think that a lot of it could look really similar to COVID. Now, the thing about it is if we have a recession, there's not going to be PPP. There's not going to be idle. There's not going to be employee retention tax credit. You're going to have to get through it on your own. And so a lot of people are now looking and saying, hey, go back and look what happened in early 2000. Would you have made it without any you know, government money? Maybe, maybe not. Right. And that will allow you to kind of set your sights on this. To see if you have enough capital or what you need to be looking for. And if you're looking at this and saying, no, I couldn't survive right now. If this were to hit, then what do you need to be doing to either, you know, stock away some money so that you have some cash to burn and also just getting tight on this? You know, one of the big things that I've been talking about is for these optional things that is not a now push it out, right? You can always buy it later. Uh, think about getting that four wheeler. It'll still be there in October and we're going to have a lot better perspective on what it all looks like. But to go back and plug you guys, uh, Kim and Brian, I preach this all the time. Everyone, when they look at their numbers, the first thing people like to do is, I need to cut my overhead, right? I'm not sure. I think it's just like a conventional logic of when you know everyone's raised on finances, how do you balance the budget? You cut expenses, right? Well, oh, I can't afford that. Because a lot of people have the mindset that you work for someone else. So the income is fixed. You're self-employed. You're an entrepreneur, not only is it a lot easier to drive the sales versus cut expenses, it's also going to be much more. Hey, cut a couple hundred here, a couple hundred there. All right, great. Now you're twenty five hundred bucks ahead, right? Versus if you had text turn out a couple more hours, you're ahead even more. And the other thing that you guys, you know, didn't mention that I always talk about for advertising is the lead time. If you're slow and you say, "Hey, Kim and Brian, we need to get going," you're like, "I appreciate it, but this is a little bit late. It's going to work, but you know, don't judge me on the first week of February." we're getting this stuff fired up. Mm -hmm. We're getting this going. And I talk about this all the time of like, a lot of people, I think they look at advertising. Because if you look at a shop's financials, advertising is probably the biggest one on there that you could immediately eliminate. You could go and you could call up and say, Kim and Brian, I'm not paying you anymore. And for this month, are you going to make more money? Yes, absolutely. Next month, you're going to make more money? No, you're going to make less. Following month, even less. And then at that point, you're going to be like, man, I probably shouldn't have Decrease my advertising. Mm-hmm. So now we turn it back on again. So here we started this process in June. By July, we'll be back up to where we were, right? Yep. And that's the scary part about this. is, like you said, of you got to be cautious on this. You got to be forward thinking,
2: but don't make a long-term decision for a short-term problem. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of people during COVID, like that, the end of January, February, March of COVID called and was like, hey, I want to stop coaching. Um, I'm thinking about shutting my shop down and whatever else. And I was like, wait, 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 don't hang up yet. And they're like, okay, goodbye. And then boom. <laughs> and all the people that did that, I didn't have a whole lot. I probably had four, I think, that did that. All of them, when they came back to me, said, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I would have listened and stayed with you because we lost traction. We closed, we puckered, whatever. And there are a lot of shops that closed during COVID that never reopened.
1: Or tried to reopen and came back and said, hey, I had eight people before. Six mm-hmm. of them got a new job. So right. what am I going
2: back up? Because they all went to people that like, Hey, okay, well, I'll hire you. Yeah. Let's bring you mm-hmm. in and see. So I think we're going to see a lot of that. I do want to talk about though, what happened earlier today. It's a mutual client of mine and Hunts and actually Kim and Brian's, they don't know. And I'm not going to mention them on here, but I was talking this morning and they have a new facility. They're still on an SBA loan for like two years until they get whatever. And we're doing great. Like we're, First year in, we're actually doing second and third year's numbers, but they went and opened their bank account and the SBA took out an extra $10,000 in interest this month. To me, it's just ridiculous. Hunt's way smarter than I am with that. But for for the Fed to be raising the interest rates and then the SBA just to be sucking money out of people's bank account without noticing it, I don't know. But if you're in that situation, you need to be watching out because... I mean, if it just stayed where it is now, that's an extra 120 grand in expenses this year. And I'm sure the Fed's going to keep raising the rates at least a little bit for a little bit longer. So they have a variable rate SBA?
1: Yeah, almost most of them are variable rates, especially once they get bigger. If they're shorter term, lower amounts, they'll do fixed rates. But a lot of SBAs is prime plus, meaning prime is, you know, kind of a set standard rate on it. And that plus is how much they're making on it. So if you have, let's say you have a prime plus three today, you're paying about 10.5% until next week and the Fed's gonna probably raise it again there. But the thing it's catching a lot of people out here because let's say you took that loan two and a half years ago. Prime plus three could have been 6%. So now you're almost paying double interest on it. And where it kind of surprises some people is some banks will do this every single month. Hey, as prime goes up, we're going to change it. A lot of them will look at it annually or look at it quarterly. And so that's where you can see these monstrous jumps. And just from a strictly investment return on investment standpoint, there's some stuff that works at 6% that no longer works at 12%, right? I've I've had deals where people have looked at it and, you know, have maybe procrastinated on it because... A lot of people delayed doing some capital improvements because, you know, the actual materials was so expensive. Now we get bit the other way because it's like, hey, lumber and steel is coming back down, but now our interest is double. And so it's a lose-lose scenario. But yeah, I mean, there's so many people out there on adjustable rates. I mean, think about it, at your credit card. I mean, how many people do we know that have credit cards personally and business-wise? You know, those are already terrible interest rates and they're getting even worse. Yet 20% stinks, but it's still better than 27%. You know, and so this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Like, what they're trying to do with the interest rates is almost happening. They need people to stop spending. They need to slow everything down. The only way that you can slow down the economy is make people broke, which I guess they're succeeding on.
0: If you run more than one shop, you know how vital it is to keep up with how each one is performing. But it can drive you crazy to log in and out of each shop's database as you try to compare KPIs, Well, look, stop making it hard. With Shopware's advanced analytics, you can easily pull all that data into one report. Heck, you can even set up the system to pump it out in a graph or a chart, and then email it to you anytime you want. Why tax your brain before you even start looking for trends and wins to celebrate? Let the computer do the work for you. Spend less time sifting through pages of numbers. Now, once you see your business's potential right in front of you, you can take steps to make it even better. And then you can take a night off to enjoy the time you just won back. Benefit, go with the team that created DVX, my friends at GetShopware.com. As the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customer's vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 150,000 miles. And safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line, and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over 100 years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. I got to make a point or two on some of the discussion of the last few minutes. As you said, Hunt, about there's not going to be any support from the government, PPPs, idle. As the consumer was at home, not racking up any miles, not spending, when everything kind of opened up, they had money to spend. Well, there's been no, if you will, stop or slow down with the consumer. And to your point, we're going to be fighting for less dollars. There's less miles going on, inflation, all of that point. So let's remember that a lot of our explosive growth came from the fact that there was money in the supply system. Let's cut costs. You guys mentioned that just a few minutes ago. And on the episode that Chris and Hunt just did together income statements, profits, losses, oh my, with Hunt, one of the things you did, it's it's your episode 96, Chris, you basically hit one of those, I think, incredible moments when you said that parts matrix that you have is not being looked at from an inflationary perspective, right? And so we can go and we can cut advertising, marketing, but yet again, there's something you can do on the margin side.
2: Yeah, and that's, I'll let Hunt take that one because that was his, I actually listened to his episode and that's when I pulled it in because I was like, holy smokes, it makes 100% perfect sense. I never thought of it this way, but one more thing before I let Hunt go, one thing we have to do is it's not about cutting expenses, it's about getting lean and being more efficient and more productive with what you have. Anyways, I'll shut up and let Hunt go.
1: Yeah. So the idea, and this one kind of surprised me because from a numbers perspective, we price parts based on a percentage. Counting finance 101, raising due percentages, doesn't matter if it's a thousand or a million, it's still going to be the same percentage. Now, the issue with the parts matrix is generally people are at you know 400% markup for $5 below and then drops off to 40, 50% to cap out on it. So as the parts are getting more expensive, you're making less of a percentage. And so I never really thought about this, but what we've been seeing is, oh, like I said, 30% increase, you know, compound inflation and some of these parts even more. And so three years ago, that, you know, water pump that was in your 55% gross profit bucket. Now the price of that has went up and that's dropped down to 50 or 48%, right? So you're actually jumping up in brackets. So you're still probably making more in dollars, but from a percentage standpoint, it's falling down. And so what we were talking about there is you actually have to pivot your parts matrix to come up with the new prices. And it's kind of a hard one to do without visualizing, even though I'm waving my hands around here a lot. But think about it this way, right? If you had a parts matrix back in 1910, which probably no one did, the cap was probably what, $15, right? Because no parts cost more than $15. Well, hey, I don't really care what it is. Flash forward to today, $15 is probably your lowest bucket on it. That's an extreme example, but, you know, that's 100 years of price shift. But we've seen a pretty massive one in the last three years, which is, you know, kind of the same idea of why we need to, you know, adjust that to make sure that it's, you know, still working with our kind of core group of products that we're selling.
0: It's not the margin, it's the buckets, right? It's the dollar buckets that you want moved.
1: If you're looking at your parts matrix right here, you probably, depending on who you are, you either have five buckets or you have 50 buckets. And for a lot of people, what we notice, if you just shift it down one, right, because everyone's parts matrix usually goes down like 3% to a certain degree. You know, smaller ones is probably a smaller gap and then bigger ones are more. But what we found on most of them, if you kind of just tweak that and say, hey, instead of that $50 part being in 56%, that $50 part is now in the 60%. And everyone kind of moves up one. But then if you look at it, it's all going to kind of fall in line. And yeah, even though that part used to be 50, now it's 70, they're now going to be sold at the same percentage as what you were getting before.
0: I got to ask Matt a question. Matthew, recently Chris got on his soapbox and he said... There's a way to solve the technician shortage, and it's all about productivity. And he says, "So what I want you to do is I want you to do your numbers, and I want you to find out what your productivity per tech is. And if you've got three on payroll and the productivity of two, maybe maybe it was you, Hunt. I don't remember, but I thought it was Chris or Chris stole it from you, or you stole it from Chris. But anyway, and if you've got three on payroll but you're producing at the level of two, then you just got to let that third one go." And if everyone did that, then we would have a ton of techs out there, not that they would be a C, B, or A, it's just that they would be out there to fill other positions that we can groom and grow and and train and bring into the company. Your thought on that,
3: Matt? Fundamentally, it's true. So as a leader, you have to make a decision. And it's sometimes hard to think that way that I could drop a producer and actually increase production levels or maintain similar production levels with one less... And I hate the word. I just even hearing it here, the word cost almost annoys me because it's so misused, but that cost, quote unquote cost of an employee. Uh, I don't know that people think that way very often, but it's something to keep very much in mind uh, that your you know production staff could maintain or even if they drop slightly with the loss of one producer, You're actually increasing your income, and then, yeah, I mean, it might help with the tech shortage. I think a lot of the things with the tech shortage is many, when they leave a shop, they're not leaving to go to another shop. They're out. Uh, They're finding some other career path that doesn't involve cars. I feel
2: like if I'd have been in the same room with Matt, he'd have smacked me with a shoe. But. (sighs) To, to give booth, you the back to, to give you from the from the, <laughs> the, the, the back the backstory on that is it really came from a point of fear from shop owners. Like they're afraid to let people go and they hold on to people and they don't cash their own checks. They need to reevaluate their productivity and efficiency and things like that about their business. And we have these people that just hold on and hold on and don't do anything about it. And one of the ways to solve that is obviously figure out a way to go. But, I, you know, I have some shop owners that come to me and they're like, hey, I've got four guys and we bill out 50 hours a week. Yeah. So, not great.
3: Yeah. yeah, so, and it, but it, a lot of times they figure it out when one of them quits or they have to fire them for some reason. That's when they start to figure out those mechanisms, fire
1: a guy that also they had their best week ever. And they're like, well, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? <laughs> right. But
3: it happens
1: Well, I think it also goes back to where you're talking about cutting expenses, right? You know, So if you have a tech that costs you $2,000 a week, or if you go back to that example of, hey, I got three people doing the work of two. Guys, we have two choices here. I could have two people doing the work of two, or I could have three people doing the work of three. Now, first of all, you had to figure out, is it actually a technician problem, right? Because a lot of productivity has nothing to do with the tech's ability. It's like, boss, what did you want me to do if we don't have cars? Or how do you want me to fix this if you didn't order the correct parts? But it's the same idea about cutting the expenses like we talked about before. If you have two techs, you know, let's say costing us $2,000 a week, we had a third one on there, so we're at $6,000 a cost, but they're only getting us $20,000 in sales. That's three people doing the work of two. So if we cut one of them, we save two grand. However, if we can coach them and you know streamline the process... And now we have three people doing the work of three people, then that's $30,000 in sales. So we're 10,000 ahead. If we can fix the sales problem, we're $2,000 ahead. If we get rid of a person. And so, yeah, if you have a non performer that just stinks and it's actually just this person and their ability and you can't fix it, of course. But I mean, how many times do you guys look at some of these stuff? It's like, no, they're doing, they're actually efficient. They're working. You're not getting them enough hours, right? You're quoting this stuff too low or hey, your process stinks. There's so much inefficiencies. You got guys that want to work. They're sitting here with a half taking apart car in a rack saying, Matt, why did you get me this wrong pipe? Now it's sitting here. What are you supposed to do? So it's such a tricky one and it's such a broad reaching problem because I don't care how profitable you are. I don't care where you are. I don't care what size shop you are. Productivity is the one thing that any shop can work on. Some people have a ton to work on some people it's really close but you always can improve
0: i want to be able to reiterate something that i think is so critical and important is don't get lazy with processes procedures review systems. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, if it didn't work, it's a great time to reevaluate and fix it. If it does, we get a little slow, we get a little lazy sometimes, and we let things go. And I think it's the worst time to ever do that. In this last segment, let's concentrate on the customer. You guys get it if we didn't have the customer, we didn't have the right experience. If we didn't love our customers, they loved us no like and trust. Let's just bring that human touch, that soft stuff together. Brian, let me let me let you start
4: it. Yeah, I mean, this is like something that's deep in my being is that if you want to have a shop that succeeds when others may not be succeeding, you do that by, you know, providing amazing customer service. And, and I have to say that Like fixing the cars, that's a given, but that's the baseline. That's where it all starts. We don't even need, like, you have to fix the cars. You have to do like an excellent job at that. But beyond that, the thing that you can do to set yourself apart is to make it so that when people are leaving your shop, they're like jaw dropped. They're like, wow, what just happened? And they can't wait to get home and tell their spouse about it. They can't wait to tell their coworker about it. When you provide that type of customer service, I may be naive because I've never been through a full-on depression, but I believe that a business that does that will do well, even in a full-on depression, much less a recession.
1: I said recession a lot. I don't think we used the D word yet. Brian's going to bring the big (laughs) one in here.
0: I know. Let's hope that doesn't uh, happen. I, I do recall that my dad lived through that.
2: I haven't even thought about it. I don't even know what it would take to put us there, and I don't even want to think about it. Like I don't know
0: We're human, we're real, we brought it up. But Brian said something that really hammered me and I've been thinking a lot about lately, that when you go and have an experience at a place and it's above and beyond, it's exceptional. You end up putting a spot on your heart, on your being, about that company, about that experience, about those people that touched you, that you touched them. And there are things as, well, why do you go to XYZ for your hair, for your massage, for your flowers, for your plants, for your cars? Why do you go there? And you're searching to think, but you're loaded and loyal to to that company. And then when you finally says, wow, they made me feel so great one day and and this or that, and they helped me through. And now you're starting to repeat things. You don't have to think. When they love you and you love them back, it's almost like a long-term marriage. And to your point, Brian, take your initiative for 2023, sit down with your team and say, what are we going to do to blow the mind of our customer when they come here? Go back to listen to uh, John DeJulius' episode on Ford, family, occupation, uh, recreation, And dreams and start tracking that on every one of your customers so that when they walk back, hey, graduation, soccer, Disney, fam, all that stuff comes back. It's in your CRM. You're looking at it. And that customer says, my God, it just happened to me recently where I walked into a place and they say, Carm, how are you? I hadn't been there in a year. And I didn't know why or how they did it. And here I am trying to, you know. You're a big time celebrity, man. Come
3: on. Yeah, obviously.
0: It's Malin Newton. Everywhere he goes, Malin says, I want to learn something. I want to observe and watch. And he goes, "And what's the average ticket of this donut shop? I mean, it's just like people are constantly observing stuff like that. Any
2: other customer uh,
0: positions that you'd like to take?
2: I'm glad you said team because I don't want people to forget about your internal customers, right? Like you, Like your employees are most important. Like if, if something happened and you went into deep recession and you had to be like, okay, guys, we got to pull together and make this work. You'll find out really quick who your good team members are and who the people who don't, who don't care are. Mm -hmm. And if you treated your employees that way and whatever, then that's the result you get. But if you as an owner are wowing your employees every day, then they will wow your customers every day.
5: Absolutely.
2: That's such a good point. Chris, because I had so
1: many shops when COVID hit where their team actually approached them and said, Boss, I'll cut back. Hey, you're struggling. We're all, you know, why don't we do 20 hours? We don't have the work for it. We are here for the long run. If you can't pay us, that's fine. But does that happen to a shop owner that has treated his employees like crap? No, they're like, Pay me or pay me. But you build up that rapport with them. And just like you were saying, Brian, customers are the same exact way. Right. Just think about in COVID from us as consumers for outsiders. You know, it's like, hey, those businesses you cared about, those businesses always have provided great products. You like them, you care for them. You're gonna go out of your way to say, hey, I'm gonna go give them some business. I wanna make Mm -hmm. sure these people stay around. Right? It's the same thing for, you know, shops customers. And also you have to realize that you need to put yourself in their shoes. There's gonna be a lot of times where people are like, I know I need it. I'm not disagreeing with that. I don't know what to tell you. I just don't have it where you're going to make the long-term relationship is, you know, eating in the short term, right? Hey, we need to do this, right? This is a safety issue. I know this other stuff. It can wait. Times are tough on it. We'll get it later. Don't worry about it. You know, they look at you as a trusted advisor. You break that trust, you lose that customer. I mean, everyone is so worried about price, but anytime that anyone does, you know, a survey of their customers, why do you keep on coming back to Matt's shop? No Mm -hmm. one says price right? If you say price, then probably need to fix something else. You know, it's like, you're the most expensive shop in town. You have raving reviews. Why? Hey, you care about me. I trust them. When they call me up and they say, it's what needs to be done. I say, do it because we built that rapport.
5: Well, mediocre is not going to cut it. People don't talk about it was okay. They talk about it was terrible or it was great. (laughs) You have to deliver on the experience.
4: No one gives a three-star review, right?
5: Mm-mm.
4: I think yeah. that's an a exercise that every shop should go through. You know, we all think about the companies that are known for amazing service. You know, you think about uh, the Ritz Carlton, Disney, Chick fil A, Nordstrom. You know, you think about okay, if if those companies opened an auto repair shop, what would the experience be? That they would create and sit there and, and like have fun with it. You know, get your team together and say, what would that look like if one of those companies had an auto repair shop? And you write down all the things wild and outlandish, outlandish of what they might do, and then look at it and say, okay, well, can we do that? Can we do that? Or can we do that? And you're going to look at it and say, no, we can't do that. We wouldn't be profitable. But you think about it: is Disney a cheap option? Is the Ritz Carlton a cheap option? They're not. When you start doing that stuff, you increase your value. You now allow yourself to charge more, and maybe when that happens, you can actually do those things. So really look at it and determine, what would the most amazing customer experience ever look like? Could we do that? And then ask yourself again, well, could we really do that?
0: I've never eaten at a Chick-fil-A. What? Do they not have them up there? We have three in Buffalo. Uh, They just opened one. Not ever been able to get at it for like two months. The cars are like miles long, right? Ann and I were out one Saturday, and it was lunchtime, and I said, hey, let's try this. Finally, I think we can get a seat. With that in mind, with this exceptional customer service, their legacy in mind, I walk in. Not only was I wanting to be a customer learning what their menu was like, but I was trying to get the feel for what I'm supposed to experience at the highest levels, right?
1: We won't get into the financials of of why they overstaff them, but...
0: Our lunch cost $20.23 for two chicken sandwiches, one fry, one drink we split, and I... Can talk about exactly what happened that made me feel so comfortable and the people that were there, the number that I got that they picked up my stuff and threw it out. I mean, it was like, oh, my. So I'm watching this place it's packed there's a mile of line at lunchtime and I'm and you sit there and you say how do they do it it's almost disney magic it's everything being done right just go to chick-fil-a and figure out how you can repeat this hey look at your friends you're a valued part of this great aftermarket radio network you're bringing so much greatness to advance the aftermarket and I want to put you all on the spot i'm going to give you a chance the final word any personal or business goal you'd like to share
4: man i've been thinking about it i have a lot of a lot of goals, but they don't mean anything unless you kind of have a baseline of where where we are. But, uh, you know, I would say we definitely want to serve a lot more shops in 2023. And, you know, personally, I've been on this weight loss journey that I've been on for 46 years to continue with that this year and have great success with it. I've changed my mindset about some things and um, and I'm having some good success with it.
0: Well, yeah, I think you're doing good. I remember having uh, dinner with you. You ate the biggest steak I've ever seen someone eat. <laughs> And he says, "Well, because there's no potatoes and there's no bread here,. <laughs> it's good. Carnivore diet. There you yes. Go. it is. Good stuff. Kim.
5: Well, I was going to give you both, but I'll pick just one. We are growing a lot, but we have an incredible, absolutely amazing company, shop culture. And so my goal this year is to ensure that we maintain our shop culture. As we grow, just kind of keep that in place. But um, I am going to throw this out there. I'm going to be fifty this year, and party in Hammond. (laughs) I will not be in Hammond.
2: (laughs)
0: We're coming down.
5: So, with that being said, I have some stuff. I'm going to do some stuff with my sister that doesn't live here, and kind of pigging back in on Brian. I got some menopausal weight. I got to get off of here. So, there you go.
0: Are you okay with
5: fifty? What's um, the option? Yeah. <laughs> eh, we'll skip yeah. it. We could probably do a whole podcast on that. I am, but I'm also not in a way. Yeah, I mean, I am, because I am very blessed that I have no health issues at all whatsoever. And I know a lot of 50-year-olds who cannot say that. So, and a lot has changed in me as far as just kind of growing up and accepting like my voice and Maybe that's not a good thing because sometimes I'll say stuff without really processing it, and I'm just like, I'm older now. I don't care. I'm just saying what's on my mind.
0: Every decade for me, Kim, I wasn't happy with thirty because I wasn't where I particularly wanted to be in life. Every decade birthday was profound, and uh, you know, did I did I actually accomplish what I wanted to for the last ten years? It's it's amazing how that works. But that's that's why I asked that question. Yeah.
5: Yep. Forty was hard. Fifty, I feel like I'm a grown up. Like, it's just, there's something different about it. Don't grow up, Kim. And I know you won't.
1: Get that yellow convertible. We'll see it on Facebook. Kim's going to be pulling up with a bright yellow Mustang convertible. Like, no, 50's going fine. Everything's good. Did you know that yellow is
5: my favorite color?
1: Oh, there you go.
5: Perfect. Uh, Matt.
3: Matt. I really want to help uh, the government with our recession by causing people to go broke. So my solution is to add more ser- streaming services that will do it. <laughs> and you're
5: welcome. Oh, I'm so glad I didn't have to go after him.
1: <laughs> God's work, Matt. We all appreciate you.
0: Well, thank you for doing your part.
2: Just trying to, yeah, uh, just trying to do my part.
1: What the fed started, Matt's going to finish. There you go. <laughs>
2: there you go. Chris, So I do want to say this from our topic from earlier. The experience is remembered long after price is forgotten. And I want everybody, all the shop owners to remember that. For me, last summer we went to Switzerland. My family immigrated from Switzerland. This is a typical Chris story, right? I've always wanted to buy myself a quote unquote luxury watch. Like I've always wanted to be, I always wanted a Rolex until I learned more about watches and then I don't want a Rolex anymore, but... I'm holding myself, I already shared this with Brian, uh, as a company, I want to have a 25% net for this first quarter. And if I do that, I'm going to buy myself a Swiss watch. That's my goal for the quarter. What do you want? What kind? Uh, Paner- Panerai, which there's a story there. It's a it's an Italian-made Swiss, uh, watch company Swiss that mo- moved, moved to Switzerland. They used to do equipment and submarines, like the luminescent equipment in submarines and they used to use radium to do that and all the women in the factory died of cancer because they had radium they would lick the brush and do fine lines on this equipment and finally they're like holy cow we're killing all the women in the factory. Anyway, just a backstory. But I anyway. remember
0: documentary on that.
2: Yeah. Is Tanner, that what attracted you to it? <laughs> um, good history. I, I maybe I mean it was part of it. So either either Panerai or IWC. There's a there's either or but Panerai. Anyway.
1: I
0: hope you uh you reach your goal on that hunt.
1: Uh yeah, I mean that's a lot to follow up on, but I guess goals for this year, it's hard to say. I guess personally, you know, spending more time doing stuff that I like. Uh, I work a ton on it. Trying to do better at scheduling and stuff like that, uh, getting out fishing more. And then, yeah, I mean, just doing more education stuff for my clients. You know, that's the part that I enjoy. That's a part that I like to do. Um, and so we're scheduling some more of those things to have more consistent trainings, webinars, and stuff like that. Um, especially, you know, just like in COVID, you know, the time where people need this information the most is not when everything's going well. No one wants to listen. Why do I need to listen to this stuff? I'm making more money than ever. When people really get scared is when times get tough. So being able to give them the information, the tools to, you know, hopefully, you know, fix it. Or even a lot of this stuff is just mental, right? A lot of, so many people are like, you know what? That was able to kind of talk me down a little bit, stuff that I can control. Because a lot of people, when stuff hits, just like Chris was talking about, people just shut down, like literally and figuratively. And so hopefully trying to make this year as good as possible for everyone. And maybe a watch too, who knows?
0: Good stuff, thank you, Hunt. As the interviewer, I- would rarely give it, and I would say goodbye, everybody, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you three goals that are going around and floating. Number one, uh, do more monologue episodes. I, I'm motivated by all of you that do it so well. I've always been an interviewer, but I'm going to do some monologues. We're going to grow our aftermarket radio network. Stand by for that and give more work to Tracy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: delegate. That's a lesson there. I I tell my shop owners, put a little pad and pen and anything you do during the day, go write it down. And at the end of the day, look at it. And if it's something you can give it to somebody else, give it to them.
0: I got to give more work to Tracy so I can spend more time with St. Anne. We have to plan our trip to Italy. And I'm embarrassed by so many friends that I have that have been there. And this Italian heritage guy has never. So I have to go to Florence and eat pizza.
2: If you need a tour guide, Kimberly and I'll go with you.
0: Okay, great. Well, then it's a deal. Wow. We'll just sit back and let you take us around. Thank you all so much. Hunt Demeris, Chris Cotton, Matt Fonslow, Kim, and Brian Walker. Thank you all so much.
2: Thanks, Carm. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the Premier Automotive
5: Aftermarket Podcast. Until next time.